Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Monday, August 21st. The worst of the tropical storm has passed through the county. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. You may experience delays today if you are driving on Interstate 8 between San Diego and Imperial counties. There was a rock slide on the interstate near Incopa yesterday afternoon. It happened as the tropical storm brought rain and wind to the region. The storm has also postponed the first day of school for the San Diego Unified School District. Superintendent Lamont Jackson says today will be a workday for teachers and staff to make sure campuses are ready to open tomorrow. We need some time to assess any flooding, any downed trees, any of the, the leaks that may occur from so much rain coming down in such a short period of time. Most of the other school districts in the county have already begun classes for the fall and expect to be back in session this morning. A win for Mexico. Tijuana's Little League All-Star baseball team crushed Canada yesterday 10 to 1 in the Little League World Series in South Williamsport, Pennsylvania. The team will face their next opponent tomorrow at 10 a.m. The Tijuana Little Leaguers hadn't made it to the World Series since 2013. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash OLLI. San Diego got soaked on Sunday as Tropical Storm Hillary raced through the county. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson says the storm had wind speeds over 100 miles per hour at its peak, but the system was significantly weaker when it arrived in San Diego. Tropical Storm Hillary brought rain and blustery conditions as the swirling mass of clouds rolled over San Diego County. National Weather Service meteorologist Alex Tardy says it was only the second time in the last 100 years that something like this happened. We don't get a system like this. Uh, no matter how warm the ocean is, no matter how much is going on with El Nino or not, we haven't got a tropical storm to come right at us like this. I mean, 1939 is a long time ago, and we don't even know exactly where that hit. The storm arrived midday on Sunday, and most people heeded warnings to hunker down. There were cars on the freeway, but it wasn't weekday rush hour, and most people were taking their time. Tardy says it also helped that the storm moved through the region pretty quickly. You don't want any system, no matter how weakened it is, with tropical origins, a warm core system, to be slow moving. It, it, it just doubles your wind and rain, um, literally. But when the front edge of the tropical disturbance first touched the county just after 2 p.m., the rain got heavy and the wind picked up near the Spirit of Imperial Beach statue where Palm Avenue meets the ocean. Marisala came to the Imperial Beach coastline to see the storm firsthand. 
When I started to hear about it, I thought people were kind of like going a little bit crazy for maybe something that might not be too crazy. Um, I hadn't really ever heard of a hurricane coming around San Diego, especially in San Diego. Like, that's why we live in San Diego, so that none of that stuff happens. It only took a couple of minutes for Sala and her family to be completely soaked. A small umbrella offered little help, but that didn't diminish the excitement as the waves pounded the coast. Marco Vasquez was visiting from Huntington Park, California. He was walking along the beach completely drenched with shoes in hand. Yeah, <laughs> I'm enjoying myself, so I don't see it much as a storm, but it's it's nice. I mean, <laughs> Water wasn't only falling from the sky here, it was also coming out of the ground. City crews have installed pumps to help clear standing water off nearby roads. At one point, the stormwater pumps created a geyser on the beach more than six feet high. That was just the kind of show local Dominic Perez was hoping to see. He was happy to trade dry clothes for a peek at the unusual. See what's going on, see how it looks. I know no one else is really going to be out here, so how many times do you get to see a hurricane just storm flow over everything, you know? It was business as usual at Imperial Beach's Ye Old Plank Inn Bar, except for some water collecting near the side door. The storm didn't seem to be noticed by the Sunday crowd. Jerry from Imperial Beach was enjoying a cool beverage and wondering what all the fuss was about. Well, being from the Midwest, this is really nothing. This is just a typical rainy day. Nothing stops, nothing is closed up, nothing is boarded up. This is, this is very mild to what I'm used to. And if you're wondering, her Midwestern roots are in Oklahoma, where she says the weather changes almost every hour. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. The average mortgage rate in the U.S. is the highest it's been in more than 20 years. Producer Emmalyn Mohebi breaks down what that means for buyers and what's to come. Mortgage rates reached 7.1% late last week. The last time rates were that high was April 2002. SDSU marketing professor Miro Kopik says that means that someone who puts down a 20% down payment and has a half a million dollar loan would pay about $560,000 in interest over 30 years. That's about $270,000 more compared to 2021. But he told KPBS the high rates make sense in today's economy. If you go back from 1972 to 2007, the average American mortgage ranged from about 6% to 16%. Um, and, and, so, and so, you know, this is a very, you know, typical rate for the type of economy that we, that we have. Kopik says there's very little movement going on in the real estate market right now because of the high interest rates. He says we're not going to see mortgage rates decline drastically over the next 18 to 24 months. Some economists say it could even go as high as 8%. Emmalyn Mohebi, KPBS News. Coming up, we hear from a poet who reflects on her family's experiences as refugees in a new poetry collection. We'll have that and more just after the break.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. A portion of the original Berlin Wall has a new permanent home in Tijuana. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis spoke with one of the people responsible for bringing it there. On a hill overlooking the Pacific Ocean, just a few feet away from the U.S.-Mexico border, a three-ton slab of the original Berlin Wall has found a new home. We didn't want our wall to be behind a specific barrier, whether that barrier be a physical one or, or not a physical one, like cost involved to be able to see it. That's Marcos Klein Marquez. He's an LA-based TV producer who helped bring this section of the Berlin Wall to Tijuana. He says it's important for people to see it, walk up to it, touch it, grab it. By placing it along the border, he hopes to send a positive message to Tijuana's migrant population. A sign of telling the people who are looking for a better life or have struggled to be here that, that there are groups of people that are paying attention to this and, and, and talking about getting rid of barriers. Klein Marquez isn't just talking about physical barriers. He also criticizes U.S. immigration policy that limits legal migration, particularly for migrant farm workers. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. Migration can be a very emotional experience. That's the case for many people in the Vietnamese diaspora, whose lives are disrupted by war. Poet Phuong Thi Vuong reflects on refugee migration from Vietnam and its aftermath in a poetry collection titled A Plucked Zither. Phuong is also a PhD candidate at UCSD, where she studies Asian American feminism. She spoke to my colleague Jade Heinemann about the collection and about her journey as a poet. So uh, let's start with your background. You and your family came here from Vietnam as immigrants and refugees. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, so I was born in Vietnam. Um, my family is from Hue, the, the central region of Vietnam, and I came when I was four. Um, and so we were part of a later wave of migration in the 90s. Um, so my father was part of the police force in southern Vietnam. And so um, there's just more coordination with um, nations and the UN to accept refugees from Vietnam uh, after 1975, which was when the war ended. Hmm. Did that affect your your sense of identity and and belonging growing up? I think so. You know, I think four is, I would call it a tender age. You know, you're kind of forming your sense of self and your connections to your family members are really important. Um, And so one thing I write about is my relationship with my grandmother, for example. Um, And that's, those are relationships that I feel could have been stronger if I stayed. You know, Um, that's something I kind of wonder about through the collection. Um, I wonder about the cultural forces that I could have been surrounded by. Um, and on the other hand, I was I grew up in Oakland, and so that's a whole other cultural world that I was a part of. Mm. When did you first get into writing poetry? Yeah, my experience writing poetry is definitely a little bit roundabout um, compared to other writers, I think. Um, I was I considered myself a closeted writer in high school. I kind of kept little scraps and a notebook that I would never share with anyone. 
uh, of poems. And I would be on the fringes, I think, of spoken word events, um, just admiring the bravery and the artistry of those writers and performers. Um, and it wasn't really until after college that I started to wonder if, wait, maybe I want to really challenge myself and think about self-expression and think about creativity and live that life. So it wasn't until after college um, when I started to, I worked as a teacher. So I started to set aside some time to work on that craft. Um, and then, yeah, I eventually decided that um, it was something worth pursuing. That's great. And, you know, I'm curious, like, to what extent do you draw from your own experience when you write? I mean, one piece of common writing advice is write about what you know. So how does that impact and inform your poetry? Yeah, it definitely informs my poetry. I draw from the moments that um, I experience, and I try to make sense of them through my writing. Um, I, you know, might write about you know, the longing or sense of grief of, for example, that relationship with certain family members or not having that relationship. I might draw from a feeling I get, you know, walking down the street and seeing a certain scene or image. Um, so it definitely involves myself. Um, and at the same time, I also try to think more broadly to try to uh, think about concepts and ideas that reach beyond me as well. Let's talk about a plucked zither. Um, what inspired the title? Yeah, the title comes from a poem in the collection. So the poem actually came first, um, but I felt I was searching for a while for the right title, something that felt a little bit more specific than what I had originally thought would be the title. Um, and for me, the plucked zither, you know, the zither is a musical instrument, so it's speaks to Vietnamese cultural heritage. And I love the image of the string because I am thinking through migration and connection in the collection. So the string, right, could connect two points. And then there's also the vibration of the string, which suggests movement. Um, it's musical. And I just, again, love that it's a specific image that you can call to your mind. How about language? Vietnamese words and phrases are interwoven throughout your poems. What is your relationship to language and the use of Vietnamese in your poetry? Yeah, thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, it's really important to me. So um, I, you know, ironically, maybe um, I am not fluent completely in Vietnamese. Um, I really just speak it to my family and I'm not fully literate in it either. So I am, you know, looking up words in the dictionary. Um, but for that very reason, that kind of grasping and reaching, that effort that I have to put into it is partly why it is so important to me. It's this continual process of trying to um, connect to the language and the culture and history. Um, and then also, you know, because that is a language that I mostly speak with my family, um, there's so much emotion to it, you know, and even the emotion of that struggle, um, it just feels really important to, to stay with. That was poet Fung T. Vung speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heidman. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Monday.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.